You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. If I'm here next week, you'll know that I didn't get fired. I really believe I've got some life-changing principles for you guys today, and they're really a work in process for me, so I'm really speaking to myself uh, today. If you guys would take out your um, outlines, and if you got a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be talking about your life support system. No astronaut would go into space without first getting hooked up to a life support system. No deep sea diver would go to the ocean depths without first getting hooked up to a life support system. No surgeon, brain surgeon, would operate on you without first hooking you up to some type of life support system. No soldier is sent out into battle without some type of support system. In the military, that's called platoon. A platoon is another word for a small group. God never intended us to go through life on our own, to face our difficulties, our tragedies, all the difficult things that we go through. In fact, when God first made man, he said one of the first things, the first thing he said was, it's not good for man to be alone. So you need people in your life, you need community, we're better together. The basic unit of community is the small group. And Jesus talked about the importance of small community in Matthew 18, 20, where Jesus said this, wherever two or three gather together in my name, I will be right there with them. So that's a group, friends. That's a small group. So in two weeks, or uh, we do two small group uh, campaigns a year. Last year, we did Son of God and Daniel Plan. This year, we did AD. And in two weeks, we're going to be doing What on Earth Am I Here For? And I am super, super, super excited about this. I truly believe if you come for all six weeks and join a small group and go to that for six weeks, your life will be changed. You will be transformed. Since most of you are going to be in a group for six weeks, what I thought we'd talk about today are two things. One, what does a small group do according to the Bible, and how do you get the most out of your small group? Paul says this in 1 Timothy 3.15. I'm writing these instructions so you'll know how to live in the family of God. You don't automatically know how to live in the family of God. You don't automatically know what a small group does. Paul says, I'm writing these instructions so you'll know how to live in the family of God. That family is the church. So our model here at uh, Living Word Chapel is the Bible. And in Acts 5.42, it says, The first church met day after day in temple courts and from house to house. So that looks like a pretty simple verse. We do the same thing here. We are doing the temple courts right now. This is large group worship. And in the small group fellowship is the house-to-house, and we call that small groups. 
So what does a small group actually do? It does five things, and we find these in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. If you do these five things, you're going to be changed. It's going to keep you healthy, it'll keep you growing, and it's going to help you be the man or woman that God wants you to be. So how do you get these things? You get them in a small group. So what does a small group do? Number one, we study God's word together. We study God's word together. The Bible tells us in Acts 2.42, they committed themselves to learning the teaching of the apostles. What's the teaching of the apostles? It's the Bible. This may sound um, different, weird to some of you guys, but small group Bible study is more important than your personal Bible study to your spiritual growth. You say, huh? Why? So if you're driving home today and you see an accident, who's going to see more details? Six witnesses or one? Six or one? Correct. Same thing with a Bible study, small group. In your group, you've got six pairs of eyes. They're going to see more detail than you're going to see. All of us have blinders. And in small groups, you're going to have people, you're going to have different gender, different age group, different occupations. So you're going to learn stuff because they have different life experiences than you. I can't tell you how much I've learned in my groups over the years because people have different life experiences and they see things different than I do. So you need people who see things differently than you in your life. Does that make sense? So yes, you should read, read the Bible on your own, but you're going to get more out of it in a small group. So if you're not in a small group, you're missing out on that. One of the cool things about um, Bible study here at LWC is you don't need to be a teacher um, to lead a group. You just have to open up your home. Be a host. Host stands for to have a heart for people. Open up your home. Serve a drink or snack and turn on the DVD. All of our Bible studies are taught by pastors, and they're pre-recorded on DVD. So for this study, it's already pre-recorded for you, six sessions, ready to go. All you got to do is hit play and then facilitate the discussion. So anybody can start a small group. In other churches that I know of, people from seven years old all the way to 93 have started small groups. So that includes most of us here. Guys, you can do this. I'm asking you to make a six-week commitment to get in a group for six weeks, not the rest of your life. Six weeks, we can do this. So the first thing we do in a group is we study the Word together. The second thing is we practice learning how to love. We practice learning how to love. Small groups are a laboratory for learning how to love. And to learn how to love, you've got to be around other people. And specifically, you've got to be around some unlovely people. In every group, there are people that we call EGRs, extra grace required. They may irritate you, rub you the wrong way, talk too much. You're thinking, why am I, why am I in a group with these people? So you can learn to love. 
Why am I in a group? Why are you in a group? So other people can learn to love and deal with all our stuff. The second thing they did in the New Testament, it says they joined with other believers in fellowship. They, they were practicing love. The Bible says they were like family to each other. In many ways, our spiritual family can be closer than our physical family. Then it says they committed themselves to life together. Please circle committed. I'm not asking you to commit for the rest of your life. I'm asking you to make a six-week commitment and get in, a what, get in on a what on earth am I here for small group. So we study God's word together. We practice learning how to love. The third thing, I really like this one. We eat together. We eat together. And we've got some groups that eat well here. Uh, this is the fellowship of food. The Bible says they shared in the fellowship meals. It's really interesting when you look at the teachings of Jesus. When he was teaching, uh, most of the time they were eating and they were walking. Why was that? Because when you're eating and walking, you're relaxed and you're more receptive to truth. So food is an important part of fellowship. Notice the Bible says, they ate meals together in their homes, eating with great joy and generosity. Fourth thing we do is we pray for each other. The Bible says they spent time praying together. It's amazing when you're in a group, there's additional power. I don't know how this works, but it's, it's incredible. As I look back over the groups I've been in, Tracy and I, our groups have prayed us through marriage issues, financial issues, kid issues. They prayed my son through algebra and Spanish class at University of Oklahoma. And I'm still thankful for the, 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 the Nielsen group. So Jesus taught us in uh, Matthew 18, 19 about this additional power. If two of you on earth agree for something in prayer, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. So there's great power in praying together. Some of you may be thinking, that's why I don't want to get in a group. I'm going to get in a group, and they're going to say, Joe, why don't you close in prayer? And you're thinking, I never prayed in front of anybody. What I would suggest would be have one-sentence prayers. Just say, God, we're thankful for blank. You're thinking, I don't know what to thank God for. Thank, the, thank God for the people in the group. They'll think you're brilliant. And there's a final thing that uh, happens. We help each other out. The Bible says, the first groups, they shared everything with each other and helped each other when anyone in the group had a need. I don't know about you guys. That's just, just not natural for me. I can be a pretty selfish guy. Um, God, God's working on me. Thinking of some of the things we've done in our groups over the years. We've brought people food. We've had people... At, stuck at home because of an illness or injury. We've helped them out. So it's, uh, once you do that, it's really a reward to do that. When we talk about small groups, smaller is really better. If you get to about eight people, someone is not able to talk. People can't talk. So what I suggest is you do something called subgrouping. That's where you watch the DVD together, and then you break up into groups for the, the discussion and prayer time. I can't tell you how many times we've broken up in my group. If we're over seven, we'll break up. 
we will break up into two groups, and I'll say, I can't believe this person had a chance to open up what wisdom this person or these people had. I'm so glad they got to share when we broke up into five guys and uh, five gals. So highly recommend that. About five or six years ago, we had a group of 18. We actually broke up into three groups of six, and it was awesome and powerful. So in a small group, three, four, or five, smaller is better. I know some of you aren't in a small group yet, and you just there's lots of fears. So we've got a little video here to show you. Um, it's, uh, it will address your fears, and it's about the top five excuses people have about not getting in a group. So watch this. Bob and I have been married for several years now and we've always wanted to connect with other people but when it comes to being part of one of these small groups well we've always heard that they're how do I put this weird yeah weird really weird and that being a part of these groups is sort of like belonging to a cult of some kind there's no way we'd fit into a group like that Besides, even if everyone is fairly normal, the whole thing seems really scary. I mean, we're not very spiritual. We're just afraid that we won't be able to meet their standards. To be honest, neither of us are very good at sticking to a strict religious routine. All right, you spiritual babies! If you want to be in my small group, it's going to take dedication and sacrifice and the will to persevere! You need to be all you can be. Do you understand? Sir, yes, sir. I can't hear you. Sir, yes, sir. That's better. Now drop and give me 20. <laughs> Bob's also worried about how being in a small group might somehow intrude on our privacy. Yeah. If there's one thing I like, it's my personal privacy. Oh, no. Mother! Oh, my God, I can't! Oh, my God, I can't! Oh, my God, I can't! It's close for you! Yeah, let's go! I can't! Keep going! We're almost with the girl! Get in quick! Get in quick! Oh, my God! Don't let him go! What did you like, Sally? Christ! Yeah, yeah, we're we're not. Not. I guess an even bigger problem is our lack of time. Yeah, we're really busy. Too busy, especially for a small group. There's just no way it could work out. Being in a small group just takes up so much time. 
Okay, so we have this intertestamental period right here between the Old and the New Testament. So, what I need you to do before next week is to read 1st and 2nd Chronicles and make sure you memorize all of the descendants' names. Also, I'll probably need you to write uh, about an 8,000-word essay on those descendants and how they relate to the intertestamental period, paying special attention to the Maccabean Revolt and the prophetic writings found among the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, please, people, please, also before next week, memorize these Bible passages. Ezekiel chapter 6, 11 to 14, Deuteronomy chapter 11, and chapter... You know, we couldn't even go if we wanted to. We have three small children. Yeah, and babysitters cost a fortune these days. What would we do with the kids? It was such a blessing having you here, and next time don't even worry about finding a babysitter. No, we've got the perfect solution. That is not a small group, so put away your fears. So how do I get the most from my group? Quickly, if you'll do these things we're going to go through, you're going to grow like crazy, you're going to be transformed, you're going to enjoy your group, and you're going to have fun. Six things. Number one, make my group a priority. Make my group a priority. In other words, show up every week. Don't flake out and say, I don't have time. The Bible says, let us not give up the habit, circle the word habit, of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. A habit takes frequency and consistency, so make it a priority. I can do this for the next six weeks. Anybody can do this. Number two, share my thoughts with humility. Share my thoughts with humility. When you go to your group, take off your logo and your ego. Don't go to show, show off. Go to listen and go to learn. The Bible says in Romans 12, 16, don't try to act important, but enjoy the company of ordinary people. That's what a small group is, just a bunch of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Nothing ruins a small group faster than somebody thinking they're Mr. or Mrs. Bible authority. You can learn from anybody. Everybody's had different life experiences, we're all ignorant in different areas, so you can learn from anybody, ask questions. So I share my thoughts with humility. Number three, respect others' ideas with courtesy. Respect others' ideas with courtesy. That means I value their opinion, I listen, I don't cut, cut people off. I'm not going to ask you guys to raise your hands. Wives, do not look at your husbands. How many of you have been accused of not being a very good listener, like me? Small groups will help you be a better listener. really helps me. You give people eye contact and you listen, then it helps you with your wife and your kids. The Bible says in Romans 14, 1, Welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't th see things the way you do by accepting them in a small group. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with, even when it seems that they are strong on opinions but weak on faith, weak in the faith department. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. That's love. Treat them gently. 
I love that message para- paraphrase. We're always judging people by how far they got to go instead of looking at how far God has already brought them. So I share my thoughts with humility and I show respect to others with courtesy. Then the Bible says I share my faults with honesty. I share my faults with honesty. This will take your group to the next level. And when I say faults, I just don't mean faults. I mean stresses, problems, pressures, trials, troubles, difficulties, the bad things that are going on in your life. The more you share the real you, the more you're going to get out of a group. If, someone, if you go to a group and someone says, how did your day go? If it didn't go good, don't say good. You can say, hey, it went lousy. My boss chewed me out today. Or I had difficulties with my kids. Nobody can help you if you keep your stresses a secret. Here's what the Bible says in 1 John 1. If we live in the light, that means we're authentic, we're honest, we're open. We're not trying to cover up. We're not fakes. We're not phonies. We're not wearing a mask, the small group. If we live in the light as God is in the light, then we can share fellowship with each other. Fellowship requires authenticity. It requires integrity. It requires honesty and humility. Then we can have fellowship with each other. But if we claim we have no sin, everything's perfect in my life, everything's great, we are fooling ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We know everything's not perfect in your life. I know everything's not perfect in my life, so let's not pretend it is. I started thinking and writing down all the problems that my groups have gone through that I've been in, and I jotted them down here. We've gone through bankruptcy, uh, kids overdosing, anger issues, death of a child, illnesses and injuries where people couldn't work for an extended period of time, drug addictions, marriage issues, kids, kid issues, and on and on. And it's really, it draws you closer together when you go um, through that uh, with a group. It's interesting, when you share your weaknesses, people actually love you more. Why? Because it's so unnatural, and people just gravitate to that. Number five, we share others' problems with sympathy. We share others' problems with sympathy. So let me review. I make my group a priority. I share my thoughts with humility. I show respect with courtesy. I share my faults with honesty. And I share others' problems with sympathy. Galatians 6 2. Help carry each other's burdens. In that way, you will follow Christ's teachings. Interesting thing in a group if I share a joy, it's doubled. If I share a sorrow, it's half. So if I come in and say, wow, I just got promoted today, everybody can rejoice with me and be glad with me. If I come in and say I got laid off or got in a car accident, people can encourage me, they can pray for me, and that it gets halved. So in either case, it's good for you. The Bible says carry each other's burdens. Weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Will you guys, with great enthusiasm, read the next two verses with me? The first one's Colossians 3.12. As holy people whom God has chosen in love, be sympathetic, kind, humble, gentle, and patient, 
Boy, let's do different. Let's do better on this next one. 1 Corinthians 12 says, If one part of the body suffers, all the other parts suffer with it. I, I think most of you know that uh, our uh, 29-year-old son died suddenly uh, in November of 2013. We miss him so much. He went to uh, two doctors, emergency room twice in Miami, and we got him here to Tucson. He went to our doctor once, so three doctors in six days. They were diagnosing him with a herniated disc and, and sciatica. And then he, huh. Dropped dead on us Friday morning. What's my wife doing CPR? Oh, I may not be standing here, guys, if it wasn't for a small group. I am so glad. I was in a group. I had no idea that a 29-year-old healthy, 6'4", 220 kid working out a couple times a day would die. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. Our small group came to the hospital, prayed for us, cried with us, hugged us, then came to our house, got groceries, cleaned the house, walked the dogs. We were supported for weeks. One person even uh, took the lead on, with Brandon's memorial service. So I am so grateful for those people and so grateful for a group. So my question for each of you, do you have anybody like that in your life? More important, are you, are you like that for anybody else? Does anybody know that you're mature enough and unselfish enough and loving enough that, they'll, that you, they know that you'll help them? Last thing we do is we encourage each other with accountability. The Bible says... In Hebrews 10, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Circle the word spur. Do you have anybody like that in your life? Men, have you given anybody permission in your life to spur you on to be the man God wants you to be? Women, do you have anybody in your life that you've given permission to to spur you on to be the woman God wants you to be? That's what you do in a small group. Romans 1.12 says, I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me and my faith will help you. If you want to get the most out of this campaign that starts in two weeks, you need to be in a small group. If you're not in a group, get two friends and start a group. That way you get to pick the time and the place. Probably, what is it, 95%, 99% of the people don't know why they're here, don't know their purpose. Why do I want you to be a host? From being in campaigns here and at other churches, the host always learns the most. The host always learns the most. We're going to be looking at, you know, what's my purpose? What on earth am I here for? How do I make my life count? If you've been in a group here through this God's Design series, 
you know, really challenge, challenge you and ask people to take a ne- next step, what you do is you take a small group vacation. So say you're meeting in a group Sunday night, 5 o'clock. What you would do was, would be you would leave that group for six weeks and start another group. Say, I've got neighbors, coworkers, friends, family. I've got a couple of those people that need to know their purpose. I am going to be unselfish enough to step out of my group and go do a group for six weeks. Guys, you can, you can, you can do this. And at other churches, if you really, 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 really love your group, you can go to your group and start another one, do them both for six weeks. A few, a few of you may still be thinking, it's just me, I'm good with me and my Bible. You may not think you need a group. There's a group that needs you. We are really good at thinking about who will inherit my money, who will inherit my cars, my house. We're not that good at who will inherit your wisdom. You've been given life experiences. Get in a group and share those. We need your wisdom. You might be thinking, Jeff, I'm, I'm willing to host. I just, I don't know if I know what to, what to do. After second service next week, my wife Tracy and I will have about an hour uh, training for you to show you everything you need to do to be a host. If everybody, would you please pull out your connection cards? That's in your uh, bulletins here. I can wait a minute. So we want everybody to fill out a connection card every week. Fill out as much as you're comfortable filling out. Next step, I'm encouraging, challenging everybody to do. Host a group or get in a group for six weeks. You can do this. Not the rest of your life. Six weeks. We've got group, a group in Oro Valley you can sign up for, two groups in Oracle, two groups in San Manuel, a group in Saddleback Ranch, and a group in Reddington. I will be back at the uh, info center at the small group table. I can help you sign up for a group or start a group today. So just check the box that you want to host or write on there. I want to be in a group in Oro Valley, Rancho Vistoso, Dudleyville, and I will get back with you this week. Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you for giving us not just the message, but for giving us the method by which you want us to grow and become like you. I pray for those who have been scared to take this simple step. We'll take a simple step of faith today saying, I will be a host in a new group for the next six weeks, or I will join a group. I thank you in advance for the lives that are going to be changed and transformed, marriages that are going to be saved, jobs that are going to be turned around, dreams that will be fulfilled, and all the miracles that will happen. We thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. has been a message from Living Word Chapel. 
We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.